Welcome to the Awaken, Heal, and Thrive podcast. It's brought to you by my new book, Instant Divine Assistance, Your Complete Guide to Fast and Easy Spiritual Awakening, Healing, and More. It's a number one Amazon bestseller. And last I checked, had 60 reviews, nearly all of them five stars. Check it out on Amazon. Again, just search for Instant Divine Assistance or click the link in the show notes. It does just what the title says. Today, I'm doing my third episode about plant spirit work, our third episode was a detailed dive into my very first plant spirit ceremony. Our eighth episode was about a good overview of ayahuasca ceremonies generally. And today I'm going to give you four ceremonies in one episode, my second, third, fourth, and fifth ceremonies, and the kind of experience that I had with that. If you're interested in plant spirit work, this should be very interesting. All these took place in 2007, so I'm going to start with a February 2007 ceremony. This one was actually San Pedro, like my first one. The San Pedro work I did was very important in my evolution, and I will be getting into some ayahuasca ceremonies in this very episode as well. Now, this ceremony was run by the same shaman who did the first ceremony I attended, and I asked him at the start whether I could be a curandero. In case you don't know that word, curandero is a Spanish word for healer, and curanderos are sometimes plant spirit people. And like my first experience, it was a ceremony that started at 10 p.m. and went until dawn. This was February, and the room was very cold, but the shaman put me in the hot seat, the northwest corner. That doesn't mean it was physically hot. It was still freezing cold, but in San Pedro work, the northwest corner is where all the heavy energy departs, so he put me in probably the most challenging place in the room to be. I guess he wanted to give me trial by fire. And this experience gave me a whole new respect for San Pedro because the medicine kicked in very strongly. I felt I was just at the very edge of what I could handle. If like, you know, on Spinal Tap, they say, oh, it goes up to 11. I felt like I was up to like 14 on a scale of 10. I could not even stand up through most of the ceremony. It was so intense. I actually tried and failed repeatedly to get from the floor up into the wooden chair I was supposed to be sitting on. And I was on the floor. I was often either in a crucifixion pose or I was crossed over in a sarcophagus position. You know, obviously, you know, death and dying was a theme I was very into at that point. I felt as if I was literally dying a couple of times. Now, the way this shaman works, everyone at some point stands in the sacred circle to get worked on. And when my time came, I just couldn't do it. I mean, I literally could not pick myself up off the floor to even stand in that circle. So he helped me out. He blew tobacco smoke on the top of my head. Uh, if you're not familiar with tobacco in sacred work, it is one of the most potent healing plants on the planet when it's used shamanically. And his blowing it into the top of my head gave me strength. And I finally was able to stand up and stand in the circle. Now, this was many years ago. This was like, what, 15 years ago, roughly. And at this point in my life, I did not really have much empathic sensitivity like I do now. But thanks to the medicine, I did empathically feel what the others in the ceremony were going through that night. I felt a bunch of their experiences, and it was so intense. At times, I was like curling up into a ball because it was just too intense. I wasn't used to feeling this kind of thing, and it was just like hitting me so hard. I have such sympathy for my many empathic clients who have this as an ordinary experience. In my regular sensations, it was so turned up, it felt just overwhelming just to feel things in my body. However, toward the end of the ceremony, I discovered I could handle the feelings. And this was like the main lesson of the night from the medicine. It's like I could make myself bigger. And after hours of agony on the floor, just feeling like too intense, too intense, too intense, please turn it down. The medicine wouldn't turn it down. I finally got the insight and I said, okay, please make me large enough to comfortably contain this. And sure enough, I could. And the exact same intensity was manageable when I was energetically larger. 
And that's a really key secret to energetic work. If you're bigger than the phenomenon, you can handle it. So you just have to be conscious enough and large enough to be that size, energetically speaking. So I had to expand way beyond my preconceived boundaries. Near the end of the ceremony, the shaman called me into the circle and gave me refresca. He did this with each person. Refresca is a sweet beverage. He makes it toward the end of the night. It has all kind of citrus and sugar and very sweet things in it. And he made the sign of the cross with refresca on my forehead, chest, and shoulders. And as I mentioned near the beginning of this episode, I asked him at the start of the night, could I be a curandero? And he said, I would be a very good healer. And I have done my best ever since to live up to that. Never as good as I want to be, but you do the best you can with what you got. The shaman also gave me some advice to help me on this path. He said, feel, don't think, get out of your head. I couldn't do it at that time, but now that is exactly how I practice shamanism. I don't come in with any kind of preconceived plan. I just show up, intuition fires up, energy flows on its own. I'm guided as to what to do or what to say. So I become basically a vehicle for the higher divine intelligence. And to me, that's feeling, not thinking. Benjamin makes no real choices when he's doing shamanism. It's all just kind of channeled. Now back to the ceremony, I had that choice whether or not to become a shamanic healer. I saw that I, if I did it, I would have to grow tremendously as a human being, which again here about 15 years later I have, and the growth never stops. When you choose the path of the healer, it's like you're saying, I'm willing to keep growing and evolving and changing the rest of my life because that's, that's what you got to do if you're going to be a really the best possible healer. Your, your own growth never stops. And like I say with my favorite joke, what's the biggest room in the world? Room for improvement. <laughs> In my notes that night, I wrote, Curandero, here I come. It was very exciting. Back to the ceremony, the shaman gave me a choice of standing in the circle where there was great power while I drank that refresca, that sweet beverage you gave me, or returning to my seat to drink. And this was a hard choice in the moment. I didn't know if I could stand at all, much less stand in a circle filled with that much power. But I was brave. I chose to drink standing in the circle. My legs had been so shaky, but... After I chose to stay in the circle, I kind of stabilized and got a little stronger. They didn't shake quite so much. And after a while, I got past feeling self-conscious, and I stood in the circle of power as my rightful place. After I finished the refresca, I stood almost motionless, holding my cup for maybe 20 minutes in that circle. Spirit held me there, thank God. A while after I chose to continue standing, I started turning into light. That's the first time that had happened to me. I consciously breathed to assist the process. And after two or three minutes, I felt I had transitioned almost completely from a physical being to a being of light. I'm guessing if someone had looked at me in the room, they would have seen a physical body. But my perception was I am just a being of light standing here. I asked for power only so that I could serve. Even that point, I was very much service to other, which means you only do things that help everyone, not a service to self where you're just selfish and taking advantage of other folks. I practiced that light being transitioned a couple of more times. Uh, I thought I could have stayed in the circle all day. I was in this powerful, glorious altered state. And it was just wonderful. So that was an awesome ceremony, my very second plant spirit ceremony. My first ayahuasca ceremony was also sometime in 2007. I don't have the exact date because I don't have notes on that one, but I remember a few things. I remember driving from Asheville where I lived down to Atlanta where the shaman was. I had no perspective. I just only heard of ayahuasca. And I only later realized how unusual the guy's setup was. No music, no active shamanizing. He didn't rattle or drum or sing. And it was actually much less powerful than my more traditional experiences later. What he had me do, just sitting in a chair across from him, drink the medicine, and he just had me narrate to him what was happening in real time. 
My main memory is being aware of the medicine slowly working its way through my entire body, getting to know me. I was in a little bit of an altered state, but it wasn't wildly psychedelic like some of the later work I did. And that lasted a few hours. And when we agreed to finish, the medicine wouldn't stop. You know, we agreed we were done and we finally realized, oh, the lid's not on the bottle. <laughs> it, it wasn't until he put the lid back on the bottle that the effect finally stopped. It was pretty interesting there. So a very unusual introduction to the medicine, but uh, it got me started. And it was the medicine getting to know me, which it's, it's used that information ever since to assist me. The other two ceremonies I want to tell you about were in July of 2007, the first time I went to Peru. Part of the time I spent in the Sacred Valley at the higher elevations, but I also went into the jungle and did a couple of ceremonies with the group that I went down there with. This was at the Eco Amazonas Lodge in Peru. The first night I took two doses of ayahuasca so strong that I was staggering around like a drunk in the medicine lodge. The ayahuasca was yummy the first time, not so much on the second dose. I was so altered I had trouble finding the chair in front of me, uh, not to mention finding my puke bucket, which I did need. I uh, could barely walk back to my hut afterward. The entire time I was there, I did have complete trust in ayahuasca and the shamans. This made the physical misery tolerable. That first night, I had an extraordinary amount of cleansing. There was this desire for a deep purge. It was like the whole night I was just trying to vomit. I could feel all this stuff building up in my stomach and the urge to vomit and just get this over with was so big, but the medicine would not for hours and hours. It was almost like she was teasing me. I'm not quite ready yet, not quite ready yet. And the big payoff was toward the end of the night, thank God. She found some long buried toxins. And finally, after that night of extreme discomfort, the purge finally came. I saw many explicit images of the process inside me. It's like x-ray vision. I could see my stomach valves moving and my biological processes. I could see these nasty spirits inside me. And it was clear they didn't just show up from the Amazon. They were already there. And the medicine was just making me aware of the unpleasant energy I was already carrying. Once I was finally able to puke, I had psychic sight into the stuff in the bucket and very nasty, icky, swirly stuff. I also had a good poop before the ceremony. I'm sorry, when you're going to get into ayahuasca, we're getting into kind of graphic bodily function things. So turn it off right now if you don't want to hear any more of that. But I, I will mention a couple of things about that. My two or three toilet trips later that night got runnier as the night went on. I actually felt disappointed in the shaman who'd brought us to Peru and was actually the helper because he was under the influence. He couldn't even find the bathroom to help me get there. And he was not together enough that I felt like he was keeping me safe. This was like my first time in the jungle. In retrospect, I think this was part of my learning not to idolize shamans or any other authority. At that point, I was very much into finding my teacher, the one who would show me and save me and all that stuff in a way. This was just an early lesson. You can't put your ultimate trust in anyone outside of yourself. The second night was a less intense ceremony than what we'd been led to expect. The shaman who took us to Peru that I just mentioned said there was another group doing ayahuasca ceremony on a beach nearby and they were drawing energy from us. And this is a whole dynamic that goes on there in Peru and South America. There's light shamans and dark shamans and ayahuasca serves them both. And dark shamans will use the magic of the medicine to attack or take advantage of other people, or in this case, draw some of the energy we were creating and kind of feeding on the energy of our ceremony to benefit themselves and, and depleting our energy from our own field. Early on, we were offered additional ayahuasca because of this was happening. I muscle tested like I do. Should I drink another dose? And I got mixed messages. 
And as I was walking over to get the medicine, I realized I got to poop right now. So I detoured to the bathroom. Purging in ayahuasca isn't just vomiting. You can purge through your poop. And I could tell energetically that the poop I was doing was loaded up with toxins. Ayahuasca was blessing me by getting it out that way that night. While I was pooping, I had strong nausea. I was doubled over and groaning and really suffering, especially in the early ceremonies. A lot of times you've got a lot of stuff built up. The heavy stuff comes first and it's not pleasant when you're getting it out, but you feel so much better afterward and you go to a higher level each time so that your life afterwards is lighter and more clear if you're willing to do the, the difficult cleansing work in the early ceremonies. There was no nausea or vomiting the rest of that night. After I finished in the bathroom, the ayahuasca came on really strong. I was in what I call stagger mode, which speaks for itself. And at that point, I said, okay, I don't need that second dose. I'm doing good. and I'm set for the night. Um, for a while, nothing of significance happened. And then one of the women in our group sang a song to Mother Mary. I had a huge heart blossoming. I mean, Mother Mary is not someone I had had any kind of spiritual relationship with to that point. But boy, my heart just opened and things accelerated from there. I saw Spirit Song, my partner as Mother Mary, and she helped me ascend into a blissful heaven world, which was just wonderful. And then another Akara, one of the ceremony songs came and shifted me into another blissful space. It was really lovely and very ecstatic. And after a while, something happened so subtly, I didn't realize it until after the fact, a birth had taken place in a subtle inner realm, and the baby was a new part of my consciousness. At first, I thought a seed had been planted for subsequent growth, but this baby blossomed into a network of energy tendrils weaving through both hemispheres of my brain. It felt wonderful, and I could tell there was some kind of spiritual upgrade happening from that. So that's the main events from that second night. I left the Eco Amazonas Lodge the next day very happy with my two nights of ayahuasca journeying and cleansing, which were each wonderful in their own ways. So here on this podcast, every four or five shows, I'll tell some more ayahuasca stories. There's some really good ones coming, but I wanted to give you a sense of the early work. And if you're going to do work on your own at some point, this might be somewhat uh, representative of what you might experience. I mean, everyone's different, but it's, it's fairly common for people in the early ceremonies to have a lot of heavy stuff come up, do a lot of heavy, intense cleansing. As I said, I think on the last podcast, if you're not willing to face the most intense, challenging stuff in your psyche for hours on end with no way up but through, then you have no business working with plant spirit medicines, especially the psychoactive ones. So you've got to be really committed. They work it really fast and you'll clear it very rapidly, but it will be intense. So that's this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. I'd love your feedback on the episode and thank you so much for watching. Really grateful. If you enjoyed this podcast, you might also like my free online mini course. It's called Instant Divine Assistance, your free guide to fast and easy awakening and healing. It'll teach you how to invoke your own embodied awakening and healing and put it all into a simple daily practice. You can also check out my best-selling book that develops these ideas further. It's also called Instant Divine Assistance. In its first week, it hit number one on Amazon in 11 categories and has tons of five-star reviews. Finally, I have an online membership called Awakening Plus, where you can significantly speed up your spiritual evolution. Its slogan is also the name of this podcast, Awaken, Heal, and Thrive. You'll find links to all this wonderful stuff in the show notes.